Hey, welcome home, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. Let's pray together today. We'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for loving us. We are so thankful to have your Word to come to today, and so we come boldly before you. We come boldly before your Word, and we have eyes that see Jesus. We have ears that hear His voice. We have hearts that understand who we are in Jesus, who Jesus is in us. And I thank you, Father, for the anointing that's on your word, going out to your people, ministering to them your grace by the help of your spirit. Father, we praise you and we worship you today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to get into the Word together today, and I want you to make sure you do everything you can to stay tuned to Legacy Television over the next several weeks. We're going to begin something today that's going to carry us into the next several broadcasts, and I truly believe that what the Lord wants to say to us and what He wants to say through us has the ability to change your life. And I know you get used to hearing those words, especially watching Christian television or in a church service, and all this could change your life, this could change your life. But you know what? The power on the Word of God truly does have the ability to change you, and it's to change you from the inside out. Not from the outside in. God is always from the inside out, and that's what His Word has the ability to do. And His Word will do that in the life of anybody who comes to it with eyes open, ears open, and a heart open, just like we prayed. So, you ready? Let's spend some time together in the Word. I want to start in the book of John chapter 15, and I want to begin in verse 1 with some things Jesus said. If you have a Bible, follow along. If you don't, we're going to put these scriptures on the screen for you, and you can read along with us there. John 15 verse 1, Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. In verse 2, he said, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? That it may bear fruit more fruit. I want you to notice how many times over these next several verses, this idea and concept of bearing fruit comes up. Notice how much it comes out of the mouth of Jesus. Verse three, he said, you're already clean because of the word which I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine and neither can you. Neither can you what? Neither can you bear fruit, Jesus is saying, unless you abide in me. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Verse seven, though, he said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. In verse nine, he said, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Do you notice how many times Jesus talked about you and I bearing fruit. I mean, how emphatic was he and insistent that you and I bear fruit? And really there were two things obviously on his mind as he's saying what we just read in these verses. Number one, bearing fruit. And number two, bearing more fruit. These are the two things that are obviously very important to Jesus, that you and I bear fruit and that you and I bear more fruit. Now, you got to ask yourself, why is this so important to him? Why would he take this time to be so, like we said, emphatic about you and I bearing fruit? Well, I think the answer is very simple. Fruit 
is proof. The same way that fruit hanging off the branches of a tree is proof of what kind of tree that is, fruit in our lives is proof. It's evidence. Nobody has ever walked up to an apple tree with apples hanging off every limb, off every branch, and said, I wonder what kind of tree this is. Nobody has ever wondered that. Why? Because you don't have to wonder that. Because the fruit is proof. Even if you weren't there when the seed got sown, even if that happened decades or even hundreds of years ago, and that thing's been producing fruit all this time, all you have to see is the fruit to know that a seed got sown, to know that that seed took root, that it sprouted up, that it grew, that it developed, and the fruit hanging off the limbs is evidence, man. It's proof of all of that. Well, the same thing is true in your life and in mine, that fruit in our lives is proof. It's proof that at some point a seed got sown. That's why the scripture says you and I are born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The proof, the fruit in our lives is evidence that the word of God has been sown in your life. It's evidence that God is real, that that God is alive and active in your life. And the reason Jesus would be so emphatic about you and I having this kind of proof, having this kind of evidence, he says it right here, by this, my father is glorified. In other words, by this, this shines the big light on God. And in a world where people are, are demanding proof. I'll believe in a God once I see some proof. You know, we live in a prove it to me society. Prove it to me and I'll believe it. Show it to me and I'll see it and I'll believe it. And it's not that God is opposed to proving himself. He just doesn't do it in the way that most people are demanding it. He's saying, you believe it and I'll prove it to you. You believe it and I'll show you that I'm real. But the truth is he has put evidence and proof of his existence in the world, in this earth. And the the people who are begging for this proof, if they'd stop and look around them, it's there. It's there. And the proof is in you and the proof is in me. You and I ought to be the evidence that the world is looking for. Prove to me there's a God. Anytime somebody says that, you ought to be able to throw your hands up and say, hey, look at my life. Look at who I was, look at where I was, look at where I came from, and look at where I am right now. You see this smile on my face? You see the love coming out of me? You see the joy coming out of my life? That should be the proof of the existence of God, and not just that he exists, but that he's active and alive in the lives of anyone who will take him at his word, believe his word, and then you will bear that kind of fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, all of these things are evidence that the Spirit of God is alive in you, working through you, coming out of you, and all of it is proof. The love of God for you, in you, coming out of you, is proof to the world around you, there's a God. There's a God, and he loves you, and what he's done in and for me, he'll do in and for you. Now you can start to see why Jesus is so insistent on you and I bearing this kind of fruit, because without it, there's no proof. 
without fruit in your life and without fruit in mine, we don't serve as evidence and proof to the people around us. There's a God and he loves you. So you can see now why Jesus would, would be so, would put so much emphasis on this. But if you go back through and if you look at these same verses that we just read, and just as much as you hear him talking about bearing fruit, you hear him talk about how to do it. Let's look at these verses one more time. But instead of putting this emphasis on bearing fruit, let's find another word here that I believe is going to be a revelation to you of how you bear this fruit. And if Jesus wants fruit from your life, that should be what I want from my life. That should be what you want from your life. Just say it out loud right now. I want to bear fruit. Just say it out loud. Fruit and more fruit. You want this. Don't you want evidence of the grace of God in you? Don't you want evidence of how good and loving and faithful God is? Of course you do. You don't want this to just be theory. You don't want this to just be some, some ritualistic system of belief. You want this to produce something in you, praise God. You want this to bear fruit in your life. And there's two major kinds of fruit that I believe Jesus wants to produce in your life. Number one, it's the fruit that you bear. It's the fruit that you bear. It's what he does in you that's for you. Did you catch that? It's fruit in your life that you're producing. It's what he's wanting to do in you that's for you. The healing of your body. Man, that's a, that's a miracle that takes place in you and it's for you. Why? Because he loves you. But there's another kind of fruit that I believe God's wanting to produce in your life. And it's not just what he does in you that's for you. It's what he does through you that's for somebody else. That's fruit. And if you understand how much God loves you, then you'll understand there's nothing he wouldn't do for you. But when you begin to understand how much God loves others, then you understand there's nothing he wouldn't do through you. Oh, come on. Are you catching that right now? Yes, there's fruit that he wants to do in you that's just for you because he loves you. But there's other fruit, major fruit that he wants to produce in you, but it's supposed to come through you for other people because of how much he loves them. Are you willing to let him produce that kind of fruit in and through you. I am. That's what my life's about. Is that what your life's about? I believe it is. So let's go back now through these words that Jesus spoke to us in John 15 and find out how to do it. I know you want this fruit. I know I do. Let's find out where it comes from. John 15, look at it again. Uh, just start in verse one. I'm the true vine. My father's the vine dresser. Every branch that does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes it away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Why? So that it may bear more fruit. You're clean because of the word that I spoke to you. Now, here's the key to bearing fruit. Verse four, abide, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now notice how many times he says this word abide over and over. 
I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's cast out as a branch and is withered. I underlined that word withered in in my Bible because I believe that word so describes the relationship that so many people have with God. That maybe at one time they were so just abiding in him, they were just They were just connected to him. And that's really what that word abide means, just to maintain that living communion. Like a branch has this living communion with the trunk, the vine. Without that connection, that branch is not producing anything. That's why you've never seen a branch laying out in the middle of the road with a bunch of red ripe apples on it. Why? Because in and of itself, it cannot bear fruit. It has to stay connected to that vine. And the same thing is true about you and me and our walk with the Lord. And there is no fruit unless we stay, unless we remain connected, this living communion with Jesus. And how many people have had that at one point? And now what Jesus talks about, a branch that doesn't produce anything, a branch that's not abiding in him, what happens to a branch that's been disconnected from the vine? It just begins to wither up and dry up. I'm telling you, if that word describes your relationship with the Lord right now, you can change. That can all be different but the key is going to be reconnecting to the vine. The, 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 the key is abiding here in Jesus. Why? Because without him, you can't do anything. He said in verse seven, if you abide in me, my words abide in you, you'll ask what you desire and it will be done for you. You know, answered prayer is fruit. Have you ever asked God for anything? Have you ever gone before him with a request? Well, his desire to answer that and to meet that need, that coming to pass in our lives is fruit. But there's a key here. There's a catalyst to all of this and it's remaining connected to Jesus, abiding in him. And so many people are frustrated, feeling like their prayers aren't being answered. But I would draw you back to what Jesus said. If your prayers aren't being answered, let me ask you this, are you abiding? Are you remaining connected to him? We'll get into this some more and it'll make more sense to you. He said in verse eight, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. See, God loves to answer prayer. God loves for faith to become sight. He loves that. But the key to it is you and I abiding. And I want the picture that Jesus created with his words, I want the Holy Spirit to paint that same picture inside you. The the picture that he created of a vine that's got branches coming out of it and off the ends of those branches are fruit. And the same way that that branch can't bear fruit, you can't bear fruit unless you stay connected, unless you abide. And really that's what that word means. It just means to stay. So as we talk about it, I want that to be the picture it creates in your mind of just you just staying. And there's a number of things Jesus made reference to here, staying in him, staying in his word and staying in his love. Now we'll get to that in a moment and maybe it'll take the next few broadcasts to really expound on that. But here's, here's the point and this is what I wanna deal with today. You know, if Jesus is this emphatic, about you staying connected, 
because of the flow of life coming out of him through you and bearing fruit. You know, if he thinks this is that important, then you need to rest assured that your enemy, Satan, is just as emphatic about you and I disconnecting, about you and I not abiding. Because if Jesus knows abiding will produce this kind of fruit in your life, Satan knows that you disconnecting from Jesus will totally cut off any fruit, will totally cut off any evidence and any proof that God is real, any evidence that he's involved in your life. And that is Satan's whole tactic. And it has been from day one. That's what he showed up in the garden to do as a snake to just slither his way in between God and man, who at that point had had this, and this is the word I want to use, and it's the word I want you to carry with you all throughout this series of broadcasts, God and man who had this intimacy with each other. And that's what abiding is. It's an intimate connection. This, this connection where you can't really see where one stops and another starts. It's just this intimate connection that God had with man. But Satan's like a snake slithered his way in between God and man and caused man to distrust what God had already said. And in doing so, he got between them. And just by creating that little space between them, he was able to completely cut off that flow of life from God to man. And that's why scripture says that when sin entered, death entered. When sin entered, death entered. That's where death comes from. Death, let me say it to you like this, distance equals death. The same way that when a branch is disconnected from a vine, if you've got distance, any distance at all between branch and vine, then that branch is dead. And distance equals death. And Satan knew that. If I can get between God and his man, if I can create some sort of space, if I can create some sort of distance between them, I will cut off the flow of life. And when sin entered, death entered. But God went to work right then, right there. And the whole plan of redemption, the whole assignment on the life and the ministry of Jesus, this ministry of reconciliation was to come and to to close the distance once again between God and his man. He's saying, if I if I'm going to somehow get my life to flow to you and through you again, I've got to close the distance between us. Go to the book of Ephesians and you see this plan in action right here. Ephesians chapter two, it says in verse one, it says, you has he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. I like the amplified version that says we were spiritually dead and separated. Our, that, that death that was working in us, it was there because we were separated. We were kept 
at a distance. Our sin had created distance between us and God. But the good news is through Jesus, he made us alive. He made us alive who were dead and spiritually dead and separated in our sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we also all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Verse four, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Love has closed the distance between us and God. Love has put to death the distance between us. Because of his love, even when we were dead, and the Amplified says it again, even when we were spiritually dead and separated in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. He raised us up together. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice how much of this is being done together, together. No more distance anymore. In Jesus, we have been brought together. He has put to death the distance that was between us. And in the Old Testament, that, that image, that, that picture, that type of the animal sacrifice, we know that that was just an, a type of the sacrifice of Jesus. And we know that sin was placed on that animal, but you've got to put yourself in their shoes, watching that whole thing go down in the Old Testament. And those priests, the ones who were called to come near to God, the only ones given right and access to come anywhere near to him. Those people watching that sacrifice took take place, understood one thing, that when that sin was put on that animal, so was the distance that the sin had created. And when they saw that animal put to death, so was the distance that was between them and God. That animal sacrifice put to death the distance between them. That's why it was called in Hebrew, a korban, a sacrifice that draws near. That's what that sacrifice was all about. And Jesus was that Corban sacrifice for us. Listen to what it says in verse 13. Now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, we were far away from him. There was distance between us. We have been brought near, praise God, by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. I'm preaching to you now. There was a wall between us, but Jesus tore it down. Jesus tore it apart. And now there's nothing, praise God, between you and your God because love, his love for you, his love to you and through you has torn down that wall. He said in verse 15, having abolished in his flesh the enmity that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances so as to create one in himself, one new man from the two, thus making peace. Skip down to verse 17. He came and he preached peace to you who are far off, to those who are near, for through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Jesus has brought us near. And God understands the same principle that when you create distance between two things, 
You cut off the power of life between them. Why do you think he said, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far I will remove your sin from you. He's saying, I am drawing you near to me and putting distance between you and the power that sin has over you. This is the death of distance. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.